Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. We are doing this series during Lent deeply formed. And we are trusting God to give us insight and practical guidance in how to uh, be more deeply formed. I want us as a congregation to be a transforming community. Part of what that means is that you can look back and say, I've been changed. I've grown in this area in my life with God. I have been formed inside of me. And that that is an important reality about what it means to be the people of God coming together, worshiping God together. A part of our formation is reestablishing our habit of Sunday morning worship. And this is important for us in this moment of a transition in the pandemic, which we all have have become humble enough to not say anything is forever. Right. But in this moment where it there's more of an openness, I want to encourage you to take advantage of that and develop the habit of your being here. If you're hearing me say this at 1126 this morning, then that means you've already done that. Here you are. But if you're hearing this later and and it's not quite there yet, I want to keep encouraging that. We began this with rhythms of renunciation, and we talked about contemplative rhythms in our life, keeping Sabbath, being willing to say, I am going, if God himself said he rested on the seventh day, I can rest and the universe will keep working. (laughs) It's okay. And so we are going to adopt the rhythms that he's called us to, rhythms of of contemplation, rhythms of silence before God, rhythms of prayer, rhythms of meditation on his word. We talked about that word um, growl and like how a dog growls over his bone and that we meditate on the scripture. We did an exercise on that Wednesday session that was so powerful um, with Lectio Divina, just meditating on a scripture. And so these rhythms... Why is it called rhythms of renunciation? Because when we do this, we are renouncing the world system that says you should pattern yourself after the way we do stuff. Go buy you a business book or go buy you an exercise book and just follow that pattern. No, we're not just doing what the world does. We are doing what the word of God does teaches us to have rhythms in our life that then allow Jesus to be formed in us, that allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. One of those works is a powerful thing that we talked about last week, which is the reality of reconciliation and formation regarding race. 
The truth is that that cannot be denied. And unfortunately, there are those that rather than seeing this as one of the impacts of the gospel message in our life, they would see it as a distraction from the gospel. And I am here to say that for us, we want to let the Holy Spirit shine the spotlight in our heart regarding racism. And we are going to overcome in the name of Jesus and allow that work for as long as it takes which may be until Jesus comes, but we are going to allow that work to keep being done in our lives. So today is interior examination. So interior examination is a way of life that considers the realities of our inner worlds for the sake of our own flourishing and the call to love well. That, I mean, we say it. We've got it in big words over here. Loving, uh, leading our community with love in a growing relationship with God. We want to be a loving people. And we have to do some inner work at times. Craig already referenced some of this during his prayer time. The interior examination is an essential practice for this. It is the only way for us to not just live on the surface. And when I say that, I think all of us can think of ways where we've been on the surface. Um, And it's the only way for us to mature in our faith. How many when you stand before Jesus, want to be there knowing that you have grown in your faith. You have matured in your faith. You're not showing up as someone who stayed a baby in your faith. Without interior examination, we're going to be shallow and we're going to be divided. So Rich Velotis, he compares it to this in in the book. He says, it's like driving a car without ever taking a look under the hood. No oil changes, No routine maintenance, no checking the tires. How many know that with that approach, the car will one day stop taking you where you want to go? Right? Do you? Wait, wait. Are you not convinced of that? If you don't take care and look under the hood every now and then, you're going to have a problem. All right. Now, Lent is especially meant as a time for re-energizing this practice of self-examination. It is universally understood that that's one of the realities that we as Christ followers will do during Lent. The purpose of the fasting, the purpose of the contemplation is to draw us into a better posture for opening ourselves up before God, allowing the Holy Spirit, to show us what is true about ourselves. John Calvin wrote, The knowledge of God and that of ourselves are connected. Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. 
He was specifically referring in this quote to our creatureliness, our condition of sin. But the scriptures give us a strong foundation for this practice. So I'm going to go through this real quick. The different ways where the scripture encourages us to have this interior examination. The first is the examination before coming to the Lord's table. I regularly read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but I usually stop at verse 26. We're going to look for a minute at verses 27 and 28 about this point. The Apostle Paul writes, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. We are encouraged every time we receive communion together to examine ourselves. It is a part of the remembering Christ's body. And we are going to do that together in just a few moments. Secondly, examination of faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So in this passage, we are testing ourselves and asking, are you living according to what you say you believe? Do you believe that Christ is alive, living in you? Christ is among you? Well, then are you responding to life based on that belief? Or are your responses based on something else. When we have the practice of honest interior examination, testing our faith, we will come to see places where, huh, <laughs> I say I believe this, but I'm kind of acting like I don't. And it's important that we have these moments to examine our faith. Third one, examination of our ways from Lamentations 340. Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Jeremiah in this passage is lamenting the mindless way that God's people have been caught up in their own ways. And he's calling them to return to the Lord. He calls all of us who are God's people back to a careful examination of our ways. And friends, we've got to do this. We've got to pay attention and look and give, give intention to an examination of our ways. And lastly, examination of our work. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. I, 
I didn't remember this verse was in the Bible, and I think I have learned it in a different translation, but just listen to this a minute. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that verse. That'd be a great verse to just have like up on the wall somewhere. <laughs> you are not that important. <laughs> now, what does that mean? That does not mean that you don't matter. Hear me. That does not mean that when God looks at you, his eyes, when God looks at you, his eyes are full of adoring you, cherishing you, loving you. You matter. But in this context, this idea of you're too important to help someone else, the scripture says, um, no, you're not that important. That is, I, I just love that that's what sets this up. And then in verse 4, he says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now, friends, this has application so many places, in your office, in your workplace, at your house, who's doing which chores and who does them better and, and whose turn is it and ba-da-ba-da-ba. This scripture is telling us to take time to examine our work and to pay attention and move away from thinking you're so important and to move away from comparing yourselves and have an honest interior examination of your work. The Psalms are full of language leading us to interior examination. So I hope that this brief survey of Scripture has convinced us this is a scriptural practice that we are called to. In the Psalms, though, we are given... Well, like if you're convinced of the what, okay, yes, I know I should do this, but actually I don't know how. I don't know how to do this. Well, the Psalms are a wonderful guide. Psalm 139 is a really great example. And I encourage all of us, and, and we may do this Wednesday night together, but to, to pray with the full text of Psalm 139 sometime this week. But here are the final verses that really give us a model for how to do interior examination. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Notice that this practice of interior examination is done in conversation with God. We might feel isolated and lonely at times, especially if we're feeling specifically convicted about something, but we are not alone. God is with us. The Holy Spirit guides us. Jesus is inviting us to abide in him and then allow that pruning to take place. 
like abiding in the vine and we are the branches. And he promises he will lead us along the path of everlasting life. 1 John 1, 9 says it this way, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Psalm 103, 12 proclaims, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. There is a joyous reality available to us in this practice of interior examination that brings a new level of freedom, a new level of joy, a new level of communion with Jesus. And I want to encourage us, but what keeps us from it? <laughs> Why? What, what, what makes it hard to do this practice? I have a few options here that might be happening. One is literally the pace of life. Honestly, we are busy and we have many demands on our time. And somehow we just don't get to that moment of stillness to do interior examination justice within our own life. Another hindrance is a sense of awkwardness. Uh, like that to give too much attention to interior examination, like looking inside, that that's, um, that might be like being self-absorbed and, and just being too much into myself. Well, Rich Philotus acknowledges this, and, and, and he responds this way. The goal of self-examination is not navel-gazing. The goal of self-examination is Freedom, freedom from destructive thought patterns, inner messages, and the ways we wrongly perceive things. So like that examining our faith and, and, and connecting that together with how Pastor Craig was talking earlier about being edgy and, and something. You're in that moment. You're, you're, you've snapped at somebody. Interior examination practice would be stop, take a moment, Ask yourself, why did I just do that? Allow the Holy Spirit to show you what it is that's going on in you. Confess that, repent, allow him to cleanse you, and learn a new pattern of response. That's how this works, and that's how it brings freedom. Another reason that some may avoid self-examination is that it might lead to despair. In the same way that we might be anxious about going to the doctor to examine strange lumps on your body because you're afraid of what the doctor might find, we can be so emotionally distressed that it makes it really hard to look too closely within. I can confess to a period of time in my life where that was a true feeling for me. There were certain areas that the wound felt too real and that to get too far down looking at that would be like picking a scab and my soul would bleed to death and I was scared. I can relate to this, but I love this quote from Pastor Rich. He says, although that fear is certainly a reality, despair does not have to be. 
Our faith is one marked by the interplay of crucifixion and resurrection. (laughs) What often seems like the end is just preparation for a new beginning. In this season of Lent, as we contemplate being deeply formed in Christ, this interplay of crucifixion and resurrection is crucial. It's a crucial thing for us to contemplate. To truly experience the deeper relationship with God, we have to be brave enough to better know ourselves and to know that when we ask God, along with the psalmist, to search us, to know our heart, to test us, to know our anxious thoughts, to point out anything that offends God, he is faithful to lovingly, tenderly walk with us as he leads us along the path of everlasting life. Self-examination leads us to confession, repentance, and the joy of forgiveness. Adele Calhoun writes this about confession. Jesus, the only Son of God, died a violent, unspeakable death so we could know what freedom from sin tastes like. Jesus laid his power down. He suffered and became sin so that we would not be condemned. Every time we confess how we have missed the mark of God's love and truth, we are opening ourselves up to the mending work of the cross. Jesus' wounds hold true, life-changing power. This is the shocking reality that confession can open us up to. So we're preparing to receive communion together. And I think what we're going to do is is we're just not going to have music today. Um, But what I do want to do is to allow some space for self-examination. As the passage that we looked at in Corinthians said, this is why you must examine yourself because we are remembering this reality of what Christ did for us. If we are to not take that seriously, then we are not receiving his body worthily. We must remember he suffered and became sin for us. (laughs) He did this so that we could find out what freedom from sin tastes like. I want us to look again at the confession that we shared together last week uh, regarding racism. But this is just a, from the Book of Common Prayer. It's just a basic confessional prayer. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this confession together. 
And then I would like to put the slide up for, from Psalm 139. And, and we're just going to have uh, some silence for a couple of minutes for self-examination. And then we're going to move into receiving the table together. Okay? So let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. I would like for those of you in the room to say this aloud with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Now we'll take a couple of minutes of silence. Let's put up the Psalm 139. And just follow this template that the psalmist has given us for a moment of interior examination. of leading us along the path of everlasting life. I pray that we experience that freedom today. In Jesus' name. Let's seal this time with taking your elements. In the part of chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians that we read most frequently, beginning at verse 23, says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given I pray that every one of us right now hear this word, which is given for you. Everyone, this is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you. For the bread, that as we take it into ourselves, we remember that Jesus gave his body for us. And we want Christ to be formed in us. 
We want to be embodied followers of Jesus where practices that we are regularly doing help us be more like Jesus. We receive this with thanksgiving in remembrance of you. Receive the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. We are cleansed by this blood of Jesus. And when we will come before him and allow the Holy Spirit to shine the spotlight in our heart and we give those things to him, confess those things where we have missed the mark, he promises that we are cleansed in this new covenant by his blood. It's a beautiful, wonderful joy that I want every one of us to live out regularly. Let's receive the cup. Lord, we receive your forgiveness the reality that you have removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, the reality that your blood is the new covenant in our life, and we no longer have to live in fear, but we walk in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ until you return. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're transitioning from this time of worship and this time of communion into a time of sharing lunch together. And, um, and what we'll be doing is a, a, a dream session, but it's kind of an interior examination of us as a church to, to kind of ask ourselves, what's down in our heart? What can we do in terms of planning and thinking and dreaming together as a church? And so... As we prepare for that transition, I, I want to send you out with a blessing. And so hear me, my friends. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and the lord turn his face towards you and give you peace amen amen let's go out in the name of the lord amen if you enjoyed today's message why not share it with a friend i invite you to subscribe at apple podcast and our youtube channel We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. 
So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.